Thank you for joining us for After the Message. To learn more about Celebration Church here in Orlando, you can follow us on social media under the handle at CelebrationORL or visit our website at CelebrationORL.org. What's up, Josh? What's up? How are you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? Doing good. Just enjoying my third cup of coffee for the day. Yeah, I'm on number. I'm on the the second one, so I'll be with you shortly. <laughs> I, in, I gotta get that Cafe Bustelo, that Cuban espresso. It's like the best. That's the good stuff, dude. Back in quarantine, back at the house. Yep, three days in. It's crazy. It is. But thanks to technology, we can still do this. So yeah, we can still do this. I didn't think we would be back in quarantine again. It's like I don't want to see anyone on a Zoom screen for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with that. I think a lot of people agree with that sentiment. Oh yeah, there's just an angel up in heaven just doing a proverbial like doom cha. Like <laughs> I don't uh, know if that's biblical or theological or not, but hey, no, it's not at all. Um, Man, uh, Sunday's message with Pastor Charlie. First of all, I love always love hearing from that guy. You know, it's just what he talked about being able to. Um, his passion was kind of being able to make complex things like palatable and understandable. You know, just for the common person, which is me. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's true. You know, he does a great job at that. Yeah. I think he's always done a great job making things like you're saying palatable, but then like, you know, he's able to speak to the 99% that are normal, like you and I, but then he's able to speak to that 1% too, that maybe has a super in-depth like knowledge of the Bible and even like of the world. Um, I've always loved the way that he brings worldview into, um, into what he's preaching and like, he does a really good job of doing that. So yeah, it was awesome. I loved it. Um, I always, I can always listen to what he says over and over again and get something different every time. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's a really good point though. I haven't really thought of it that way. Like he's still able, he can speak to both audiences in the same setting. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's like, that's something that's, I mean, most people, you know, a lot of people, I feel like I would say it's, it's easier to like pick one or the other, but he does a really good job of being able to speak to both. And I mean, and, and then even like just helping people understand like where he's coming from. He always mm-hmm. does a good job of, you know, setting up the context of it, what he's talking about and stuff like that. So yeah, I always enjoy it. I learn. I mean, I like to, I like to learn. That's one of the things that, um, I mean, I really do. And I think sometimes in, you know, we're back in quarantine so it's like, I know a lot of people during quarantine were like, man, I read so many books and I learned yeah. so much. I feel like quarantine, I, um, I didn't do a lot of that the first time. And I, you know, I kind of, I mean, I've even told you, I kind of look back at that, like, man, I wish I would have spent more time learning. And so I'm going to get back into my, my learning phases right now, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a good time to, to do that. Take advantage of it. Yeah. I definitely, I did read, but I don't, I don't feel like I read as much as I wanted to, you know, over and above what I normally would. So, yeah, no, it's true. Cause then you still have work and me, you have kids, you're, you're homeschooling your kids. Thank God for summer camp. They're there now. So it's awesome. Yeah. Dude, the, like right off the bat of the sermon, he said something that 
we could literally spend this entire time talking about that I thought was so profound and, and something that I have thought about, but I haven't been able to articulate as well as he did, obviously, but unity does not ignore difference. Yeah. And that, that's just, it's, again, it's super profound thought to think about that just because we come together and we desire to be unified that doesn't mean that we don't differ in yeah. whatever the case may be. Yeah. And I think if you, if you think about it, and I actually had a really good conversation um, with, um, he's an older gentleman that kind of lives by where we do here in College Park a few weeks ago. Um, he's in his like late 60s, early 70s. And we were talking about everything that goes on racially. And one of the things that he said that was he was still trying to wrap his head around and understand as he said for his generation he's like if i didn't want to hang out with someone who was not like me i had he's like i could do that he's like i could go to work he goes and everyone i worked with was a republican he said i could go to the church that i wanted and everyone looked the same as me and thought the same as me he's like i could he's like you can choose to work people out of your life that have different views and opinions than what you have but like at the end of the day, the thing that he said that got me, he goes, but is that really, is that really like unity? And he goes, is that really tolerance? Because I think that's one of the things that, you know, with, with, with unity and having like disagreements with people or not seeing things the same is sometimes we can view tolerance as like complete, like, like I agree with what you say, you agree with what I say, we're all good. But really what it is, is just being able to look at the uniqueness of someone else, what they believe, where you're different, their different background, maybe what they've come from. And you're able to go, hey, like there is something that we have in common. Mm-hmm. Like th- there's something we have in common. We're, we're all children of God. We're all on this journey together, whatever it may be. And so talking to him about that really made me realize that, you know, if we're not careful, we can give off the illusion of unity by just staying in our little like holy huddles or you know, staying in our, our own, our own groups. And so I think when he said that, that's one of the things that made me think of is, you know, like, are we pursuing unity with people who are not like us? Right. Like it, it, are we actively doing that? Because if we're not actively doing that, then really all we're doing is we've just surrounded ourselves with a lot of like-minded people. Yeah. And, and it's, it's unity for our, our group, but not unity as a whole. Does that make sense? It does. And it's, it's so true. And it's, that's kind of the easy road to take like that gentleman that you were talking about. He's like, man, it's, it's easy. Have you done like a lot of, or any extensive study on early church stuff personally? Um, I mean, I have. And when it, when I if you say extensive, like um, not like any major college courses. I mean, yeah, I did yeah. two college, I did two college courses on it in Bible college. Um, given that was when I was 18, I'm 33 now. I've probably forgotten <laughs> sure. a lot of those things. Um, but yeah, I, I studied a lot about just the early church and how they did, how, how they represented unity. And it is a lot different than like, I would say, you know, what, what we would think of today is unity. Cause they would take anybody and everybody. They're like, you want to know about Jesus? Like, come on, like walk beside me. And they would walk with them with their differences and they would walk with them as they began to transform and to change. I mean, it's, I mean, a, a lot of people probably know the verse, but Romans 12 too, where like Paul talks about the renewing 
of the mind. And it leads to transformation in your life when you don't conform to the patterns of this world. But see, what the early church would actually ask people to do is not to only not conform to the patterns of the world, but also we don't want you just to conform to Christianity because we don't want this to be something you conform to. We want this to be something that actually literally like transforms your entire life. Uh, we don't want you to like this to like be behavior modification. We want it to transform your entire soul from the inside out. And so they were super huge on, I will be at a table with someone and lots of people who are not like me, who don't look like me, who don't believe the same as me. But my hope is, is that from you seeing my life and the unity in my life, which is one of the things that Charlie said, is that by you seeing all of these things, that you would see Jesus in all of it. Yeah. And that ultimately Jesus would be what it leads to. And so I think that's like, you know, that's a, that's a huge thing. And, and I mean, we've carried that, I think we've carried that on in the church, but like what we were talking about a minute ago, I think sometimes we've carried that on by just creating people who've conformed to what we believe, who may not even know why we believe it, but they're conforming right. to what we do instead of it actually being something that transforms them from the inside out. Yeah. And then it becomes, it, then it just becomes anything else that's institutional. The church can, if you're not careful, become that because it, it's not a, it's not a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit transforming you. It's the institution itself. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it, you're right. You do, you do have to be careful. And that's an interesting point about the early church saying like, Hey, we don't want you to just conform to Christianity. We actually want you renewed. You know, yep. we, we want you to have a new, a new heart, soul, and mind. Yep. Um, which is kind of as Charlie, Pastor Charlie kept explaining, it's a holistic yep. approach to unity. Yeah, it is. I mean, you think about it, like I did, um, in high school, one of the things that my dad did is he would loan me off like to all of his friends to work for them, you know, um, just like, I mean, it was like I had a different job every month, but it was just cause he wanted me to get, you know, well-rounded and different things. And so sure. one of the things that we did is we poured, um, foundations on homes and repaired foundations on homes. And so this, the thing that I saw is, you know, when you are pouring something new compared to fixing something old, there was two different actually ways of doing it. When you're pouring something new, you made a form and you're able to pour it in there and then it grew into that form. So you think about that, that, that is us when we have children, you know, when we're, when we're, when we're raising our kids, we're, there's a form, there's this thing that we believe that God's called them to live this life. He's called them to live. We're pouring our life into them. We're yeah. trying to get, and what we're doing is, is we're helping them become formed into who God wants them to be. But when you're trying to repair something, it's different. You don't just go in there and put the form in and then try to cut out the old and make it like fit in the form. You actually go in and you start removing things from the old. Mm -hmm. Then you put up the form and then you help it rebuild into the new. And so you still even have some old things in there mm -hmm. as you're rebuilding it. But I think too many times, if we're not careful, what we'll do is like what we talked about is we're like, okay, like, all right, come here. Here's this form. Here's this mold fit into it, hmm. but without letting the Holy Spirit do the work, because ultimately, like, he's going to be the one that does all that. Yeah. You know, we can hold people, we can take people by the hand, we can walk with them. 
but he's going to be the one that does the transformation. He's going to be the one that starts working on that. And like, even this morning, there's a, um, there's a pastor that um, I listen to a lot. His name is Craig Mosgrove. Um, he's yeah. actually kind of grew up in the church of God movement in Tennessee, you know, your old stomping grounds. <laughs> um, but he was a, he was a youth pastor for Jensen Franklin in Atlanta for a lot of years, but he's always been a very well, I, I like him because he's always been like the uh, uh, um, evangelical, like charismatic mm -hmm. but like Bible teacher, like to the core. Mm -hmm. And so this past Sunday, he did a sermon on the fruit of the spirit. And he was actually talking about this, how ultimately the fruit of the spirit in our life is going to make us more like Christ, which creates unity and all this stuff. But the thing that he said um, and I think we all know it is that like trees don't strive to bear fruit trees, bear fruit. Mm -hmm. And so all these things in our life that we're talking about with transforming unity, all this stuff, like there's going to be times we have to make a decision to bear fruit, but we're not producing it. The Holy spirit is Yeah. like, and if we're abiding in him, it comes, it's called the fruit of the spirit. So that word in the Greek it's literally like a, it's like a two-way word. It means it's from him, but then also for him. Right. So if we're getting it from him and we're producing it in our life, then everything that we produce is now for him, which in turn leads people back, you know, to Jesus. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm the most guilty of trying to, to force the issue. You know, I, I always, I always kind of look at my life and go, well, not producing fruit in that area and try and force it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think there's, there's some good at that, at being able to be so self-aware and, and recognizing certain things in your life. But at the same time, like you were saying, fruit of the spirit is literally of the spirit. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And it's for God. And it's not just, it's not just so I can feel good about myself. Yeah. You know, so. Um, and then what you said towards the end of that, ultimately it helps bring others to Christ. And that's what Pastor Charlie said was, um, you know, talking about Luke 15 and it's bringing others to the faith and, and how, and it kind of goes along with our, our, our motto, if you want to, I don't know what we call it, but reach the lost, equip the found, you know what I mean? And, and yeah. I, thought that, I thought that was so, so good. Dude, another thing that was really inspiring slash encouraging that I've heard a million times, but it hit me in a different way on Sunday was the gates of hell will not prevail. And I think it hit me in a different way because of just the outside craziness of the yeah. world and just that promise of, hey, no matter what's going on, uh, the kingdom of God, God's church, well, you know, is not going to be overtaken. Yeah. I think, I mean, you know, even the early church and everywhere you can look, like even, even in other countries right now where the church is suppressed and other things, um, you know, for people listening, I mean, Callie and I, we've done missions a lot of our life and we've been places where, I mean, you can't even, say the name of Jesus without getting arrested and, you know, put in jail. And, and, um, but well, here's what I've always seen is that the more pressure that's put on the church, all of a sudden it might have to go underground for a little bit 
or it might take what looks like outwardly a hit, but then all of a sudden it rises back up and it's like stronger than ever. There's more people like sold out on fire for God. Um, I mean, that is how the early church spread. I mean, they're literally being tortured and hunted down. And so they have to hide, but as they're hiding, they're not letting that stop the work of God in their life. Yeah. And so like they're, they're hiding. And then when they come out of hiding, they're stronger than ever. Do you think, you know, you think we're going to see something similar here? I mean, I think we will. I think here's the, here's the other thing too. I think that for some people, so here's the other thing that happens in hiding. And this is like, for me, like even like thinking back this past quarantine Mm -hmm. is that we're in your inner pressure situation. Anything that is inside of you that needs to come out will get revealed. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're, when you are working from home, when you are, you know, homeschooling the kids, when, when there's so much like just, pressure in moments if you will let god he will show you things that need to change in your life yeah. and then it's up to you to then start walking that out with him and so that's why i think a lot of times people do come out of these things stronger eventually i'm not saying like tomorrow's like whoa you yeah, know, yeah. a light switch but i think that i think it's going to happen man because i really here, here's what i think i think at least for our generation we have never had something happened when we've had to actually think about our mortality. Yeah. We've never, like, we haven't experienced the wars that my dad's generation and grandpa's generation did where literally like so many thousands of people died. Like we, we we didn't experience like, man, we could get drafted and have to go fight. You know, like we, we didn't experience that. And so we've not, at least that I can think of, you know, in my, you know, 33 years <laughs> on earth, I can't think of anything that has made me come face to face with my mortality more than, more than this. Yeah. You know, because it's, you see that people are, I mean, dying every day because of this. Yeah. And so when people come face to face with their mortality, they have to come face to face with their eternity. And so then they have to know, like, it makes people start asking questions like, is there something more mm-hmm. is there? And, and that's where I think those questions, when people start asking those questions, they start looking for answers. And of course we know that Jesus is the answer. But, but the thing is, is like, they may not know that Jesus is the answer, but they see us and they see how we are in these moments. And like, man, something's different about you. It's like, you're not, it's like, you're, you're not worried about your eternity. You're, you, you seem like, man, all this pressure is going on and yeah, God's showing you things, but you still seem to be walking through this. Like, what is, yeah. what is the difference? Yeah. And I think that is like, um, you know, that's, that, that's where we're going to see the resurgence. And I can think of, you know, my dad, I always, I talk about him a lot whenever I, just cause he was, I mean, he was always, in my opinion, an example of, of like God and Jesus. He had his, had a few years, you know, where he, uh, he kind of went back and, and, and did some things when I was a younger kid. But after that, you know, he's, he's always just been really steady. Yeah. And one of the things that he, he's worked in, um, he's been an evangelist his entire life. So he was travels to churches and still speaks to this day. But, you know, in order to, you know, make a living, he works in uh, construction engineering and like for industrial buildings, like uh-huh. anything you can think of. I mean, he helped build like the handrails on the Baltimore Orioles new stadium. Like, so all these, he, he's done all this nice. stuff. 
Yeah, I know. It was it was cool. I actually got to meet um, Carol Ripken Jr. Whenever he was, yeah, I was like, I don't remember how old I was. It was like his last year that he was playing, and so I got to meet him because my dad helped do some updates to the to old school Camden Yard, and then was helping them with the new thing they were doing. So, dang man, that's awesome. Yeah, it was cool. Also met Derek Jeter then too, which is how I became a Yankees fan. Don't hate me. I know you like the the Rays. But, All right, let's go. Move on. I know we gotta move on, but um. So he always worked and, and, and this industry is a super gruff and tough industry. I mean, like, I mean, your average person probably works for a company six months before, you know, they either are out or back. my dad's like they're out there, they're back in jail and then they come out and, oh <laughs> and work for you again. But one of the things that he always did is he's just like, he never tried to shove God down anyone's throat. You know, he never tried to, he never tried to just come and preach a sermon. He just tried to let his life live it. And uh, one day he was at a job site and this foreman for this company came in front of the whole entire crew, which was about 30 people working for him and just cussed him up one side and down the other. And my dad said, he's like inside of me, he's like, I could feel this like rage. Like, man, I, I could, I could hit this guy. I could yeah, tell him yeah. what, what he's worth. He goes, but I didn't say anything. I just stood there. He goes, and then he was done. I said, okay, we'll fix the problem. Just that simple. That thing he goes and later on at lunch he's like all the guys are like yo man i would have hit him i would have yeah. cussed him out like somebody's like i would have i would have been back to jail for that like you oh know my gosh. <laughs> but you know it gave him an opportunity to then talk about like they're like what man how could you do that you know how, how could you just stand there and let him talk right. to you like that gave him an opportunity to then share with them about jesus and then three of those dudes ended up giving their life to Christ that day in a little like diner restaurant in like no a small way. town in North Carolina. But the thing is, is like, those are the type of things that whenever we truly like, you know, that was a pressure pack situation, who he was in that pressure pack situation came out, someone saw it. And then it led to people coming to Christ and they weren't in a church building or anything like that. And so I think this is what this is going to do more than anything. I think that sometimes we think, man, I've got to bring my unsafe friend to church so that then the pastor can preach, some, preach a message and they can get saved. Uh-huh. That's, not, that's never what God intended it to be. That's uh-huh. never what the early church was. It was the pastor preached a message at church or you got a letter in an underground room that someone read and then you went out and you lived your life like Jesus. And then when someone wanted to know about Jesus, right there on the spot, you're like, hey, I can tell, you can actually be saved right now. Like you don't have to wait. You don't have to come to church on Sunday with me. Yes, going to church is a great thing, but it was all about the daily walk with people. Yeah. And um, I think that's what this is going to to get people back to, is to understand in the daily walk with people that my life represents Christ. And if I look like Christ, then more people are going to come to know him. And, and it's not just going to be like a gunslinger on a Sunday morning preaching a message and like, you know, that one's saved, this one's saved, you know, like yeah, yeah. It, all that, all that is great. But when we're relying on just Sunday mornings and just the church building or church service to be the thing that is evangelizing the world around us. And then we wonder why the world is in the state that it's in. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, right now, right now we're seeing that that opportunity isn't even afforded to us. You know, the Sunday morning opportunity if, I guess what I'm saying, if, if that's our only method, like we're in trouble, you know, that is definitely a method. And, you know, I've seen personally and can attest personally to that being 
that being uh, beneficial and helpful and actually working. Um, but if that's our only method, like we're definitely in trouble. And, yeah. and that kind of goes along with living our lives in such a way that reflects Christ in order for others to see Christ is going to take maturity. And yeah. we're going to have to grow and dude, the, 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 uh, the phrase that he uses, we're not after steak flavored milk. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, Oh man, that is so good. It's like only, only Charlie and his, all his dadness, you know? I know. Yeah. So, you know, Paul talks about that a couple different times is, Hey, it's time to, it's time to start focusing on some other things, you know, as you grow. And he, you know, the whole verse of when I was a child, I spoke as a child, but when I became a man, I put off childish things. And so how does that to you, how does that kind of tie in with unity to you? Because for me, I'm still trying to, I'm still trying to process through that whole thing. But for me, that's more of a, it's more of an outreach thing, you know? But unity within ourselves, how, within the body, what does that look like to you as far as growing in maturity? So I think there's, there's kind of like two things when it comes to that. And I was actually thinking about this this morning um, was when you grow more mature, you also grow more secure. And I'm not trying to do a little preacher saying there. I actually was thinking about it like, like maturity breeds security in your life. The biggest, the biggest, I, I think, tool of the enemy to come against unity is insecurity. Because you think about the fact of, you know, um, just the the church is, it's just like any other business or any other thing where, where people will come there and they're like, man, I want to do this or I want to do that. But then someone beside me wants to do the exact same thing. Yeah. And so like, do I need to do more to show that I can actually do better than them so that I can get the thing that they want and that it create it, 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 it just creates this like massive, like ripple effect, like insecurity would create disunity and like so quick yeah. among anything. And so I think, the more mature we become, the more secure we can be to go, man, like, I mean, I, I want to do this. You want to do this. Like, let's link arms and do this together. Like, it, it's, I, we've almost created this, like, scarcity mindset, like, when it comes to, like, the church, like, the body of Christ being, like, we all, we always say it's, like, one body with many members, mm -hmm. but there's this mindset of, like, yeah, but there's a few members that count more than the others, and so that's what I need to strive to be. Mm instead of, and which then creates insecurity because eventually somebody, you may, you may even be meant to do that. Somebody else may be meant to do it. And now you've created this like thing of like, you know, um, just competition and other stuff. And so yeah. I just think, I mean, the more mature that we become in Christ, the more secure that we are, because we know when we lay our head down at night on the pillow, like that we have done our best, that we've given our best for God. And then it's not about like what somebody else did or where they're at that I'm on my journey. And as long as I'm on my journey and I'm trying my best to bring people along with me. And I mean, because when you're secure, what you're going to do is you are going to bring people along with you because you're going to be able to encourage them. You're not mm -hmm. going to be waiting for people to encourage you all the time. Yeah. You're going to be encouraging them to keep st taking steps in their faith. Yeah. And I think it's like, 
you know, like, I mean, and, and that's kind of more of, I would say, like the service side of like being a Christian is like, you know, kind of like what we do. But then even thinking of when it comes down to like, man, like reading our Bible, praying, things like that, that can also create a lot of insecurity, which can then create disunity because it's like, well, man, you know, Nate said he read his Bible six hours this morning before we got on after the message. I only read like a chapter. I actually, honestly, I only read the version verse of the day and I only read half of it because I didn't really like the other half and it didn't sit with my soul well. But uh-oh, <laughs> what is but it? It's, <laughs> I don't know. I didn't read it today. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I think like in everything, it's like just be secure with where you're at on your journey. Uh-huh. And, and, and as you're growing, like in maturity, that security is going to grow. And you can't you cannot compare your walk with Christ to anyone else's. The moment that you begin comparing, the moment that you begin doing that is when disunity starts because the insecurity rises up. And I mean, it just, I, I really think like, you know, in Paul, like he did a couple of times, like in the new Testament where he talked about, Hey, we need to move on from milk and go after meat. Mm-hmm. It's in Corinthians. I believe it's either, I think it's second Corinthians. It's either first or second Corinthians. One of the two it's in the Corinthians where he actually talks to the church and he like reminds them they're like, Hey, like I know we're going, I know you want to know about angels and all these other things, but don't forget like salvation. Don't forget, you know, like walking in the spirit. Don't forget. So he's like reminding them of, yeah, we want to go after, you know, like meteor things, but don't forget Hmm. these things. And so I think what you see there is, is you see this pendulum swing of, you know, some like uh, of, well, I don't want the milk, you know, I want the meat. And then you know, people was like, you know, like, well, if I only want meat, then I can't even like, I, I already got the milk handled. Yeah. But the thing is, is that at the same time, the way that our body works is that you need the milk to digest the meat. Mm-hmm. Like you need, you need both of those things. Yeah. You need them together and, and you can't forsake where you began just because you think you're farther down the line than someone else. Mm-hmm. And so we just have to be really careful that when we grow in maturity, it doesn't cause our ego to grow. That when we yeah. grow in maturity, we actually humble ourselves more to bring other people along and encourage them, you know, and help them on the journey. Hopefully yeah. that answers that question. <laughs> no, it, it does. And by the way, today's verse of the day is Hebrews 12. It says, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. So Look at that. it goes so, along <laughs> with, you know, comfort versus maturity. Yep. You know, he, Jesus, he disregarded comfort. Even Jesus grew, you know yep. what I mean? Like even Jesus grew in maturity and, you know, Jesus grew in wisdom and favor with God and men. Yeah. I think sometimes people think, and I've, I've, I've kind of referenced this before, but I think sometimes people just, when they look at Jesus, they look at the miracles that he did and they forget that he was a man. Sure. You know, like they, they look at it, but like Jesus, I mean, he was also a carpenter. He like built things with his hands. Like he, he lived on this earth in human form for 33 years. Uh He went through every feeling and emotion that we've felt. He wasn't like, even though he was fully God and fully man, he still felt emotion. 
Like yeah. he still felt things and then he still had to make the decision to, okay, like, but there's something, there's something more. Yeah. There's something that I have to sacrifice in myself to become more of who God wants me to become. And it's like, I think so many times we could think that we do have, there's another verse in Hebrews that says that he can literally like that, that, that he, he knows everything that we've been through. We have a high priest that can like, he knows what we've felt. He knows what we've gone through so we can come to him boldly. Mm-hmm. And I think like that, that's one of those things that like, if you're looking to get out of comfort and go into maturity, you have to realize that Jesus did the exact same thing. And it wasn't just because he was fully God and fully man. It was because he had to make that decision. Yeah. Ultimately, he had to make the decision to die on the cross. We, God didn't make it for him. He had to make it. He could have at yeah. any moment stopped that. But That's, that's you know, such a crazy thought, man, because we do, we, we almost think of it as like uh, robotic. Mm-hmm. You know? But just as much as, and I don't know if this is heresy or not, I don't think it is, but just as much as Adam and Eve, Eve had a choice, so did Jesus. Like yep. he had, he had a choice. I mean, Philippians two, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Yep. So he chose, you know, God sent him, but he chose to accept that assignment and to fulfill that. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. That, that's one of those things that makes me think every time I'm like, you know, like, I mean, Olivia, she, um, she firmly believes she, she asks all the time if we can go to Jerusalem because she wants to see Jesus. <laughs> so she probably believes that he's alive somewhere in Jerusalem. So, and Hey, who knows? We would probably go there and like, he would appear to her like, and, and, and somehow some way, and it would be like, she saw Jesus. It would be crazy. Um, but the, the thing is, is like, is with that. She even understands that. Like we were talking the other day and like she at, eight years old. I mean, and I'm, I'm so blessed that before we adopted them, like they were in a, a very, very Christian environment. I mean, they were go to church multiple times a day. Um, she probably knows the Bible better than most adults in America. But um, even, even, even lately, uh, Mia's been kind of having a little, little bit of trouble telling the truth. And so now Olivia go, Olivia go, Mia, tell the truth and the truth will set you free. You know? <laughs> and so, but she even under, she even understands that like that Jesus, even though like he was God's son, that he had to make decisions and choices to walk out the life that he did. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm like, I mean, I wish I would have understood that at eight years old. I thought Jesus was this like white white faced, brown haired like robot that was like, how may I serve you? How may I help you? Yeah. You know. Um, but I just think that you know, the more that we can realize that Jesus was just as much fully man as he was fully God and that yeah. he had to make those same decisions. And if we're supposed to model our life, um, I mean, like Paul says, to literally be imitators of Christ, then, I mean, one of the biggest things that he did was sacrifice. One of the biggest things that he did was step out of comfort um, and into, you know, maturity time and time again. Mm-hmm. And I just think that you know, that should encourage us that if Jesus could do that, and again, he was, you know, fully man, fully God, then, then we can do that. Yeah. And because he had to rely on God, just like we did. Even yeah. when you look at when he would do miracles, and when he's talking to his disciples before he goes to heaven, they're like, man, give us the secret. He goes, I relied on God. I only did what the father told me to do mm-hmm. and how he told me to do it. 
so he didn't even puff himself up like right. like th that that's the thing that like amazes me is like he never once said oh yeah like i prayed in the name of me and then like it happened because of me yeah. it was no i did what my father told me to do i only did what he told me to do so then this is the result yeah yeah and that that ultimate inclusivity i think that's how you say it yeah that ultimate inclusiveness was welcoming opponents mm -hmm. and pastor charlie said welcoming former opponents i was thinking about jesus and i was like <clears throat> thinking about jesus he welcomed future opponents too yeah before you know before the death burial and resurrection he inter he interacted with people that crucified it you know yeah. and that i was trying to think about how that sort of applies to my life like and it's almost it's almost as if i welcome people who may never i may never get anything in return from you yeah. know but i still try and include them at the t at my table and, yeah. and man that's that's so much easier said than done for sure it is and i think like you know, like when he was saying that, here's the thing that it made me think of is like, even with welcoming opponents and stuff back into your life is that anytime there's distance between you and something, it creates like distortion. So you think of, you know, someone in your life who maybe has hurt you mm -hmm. or has done you wrong. Our natural instinct, mine included, I'm not perfect at this by any means. I'm still working on it. Like even today. Yeah. Your natural instinct is to put as much time and distance between you and that thing. To avoid pain. Yeah, to avoid pain. But then the problem is, is that the more distance and time you put in between it, that doesn't actually like heal anything. It really just creates more distortion. Because now you're wondering like, well, I saw they put this Instagram comment up. Is that about me? Like, right. like I mean, literally, that's the, that's, that's how we live. And so what happens is, is that in order to even like heal your heart, in order to heal those things, it, it doesn't mean you have to be like best friends again. It doesn't mean like, we all understand that, but even like bringing them back in, in some way, shape or form, you know. Um, to your life, you're saying? To your life, yeah. And I think like, and I've, I've, I've talked about it before, but like, my mom and I, we did not have a good relationship after I moved with my dad. My parents got divorced when I was a kid and there was a lot of hurt and pain that was in that relationship. It was not, and I always, and I still to this day, there's areas I need to work on it in. Yeah. But my mom, I, I kind of just like, peace out, you know, I'm living with my dad and you know, whatever happens, happens. Yeah. And I remember it wasn't until I was 20, I was 28, man. I remember we were actually living down by, um, off of Cimarron Boulevard, down by the airport. Mm -hmm. um, and um, we were in an apartment. And I remember my mom calling me. I was 28, bro. I've been living with all this hurt, all this pain, resentment towards her. But tried to like, no, mom, I love you. We're good. Yeah, you know, yeah. like, and she called me. And for the first time, because I tried to talk to her about it before. Right. And she had um kind of like been like oh that didn't happen or you know and so when I talked to her um this time she brought it up and that like it took me like it took me by complete surprise but she called me 
she brought it up, started talking about it. And as she was talking about it, she's like, I bet this has caused you a lot of pain and hurt. And dude, like I can't, I tried to hold it together, you know, (laughs) but I mean, and I just started crying. And then even after she got off the phone, I like cried for a couple of hours um, as a 28 year old man. (laughs) Um, You know, like, but like, not like, not like, like sobbing, ugly cry. Mm -hmm. Um, But the thing that I, I can tell you is though, is that moment of, and I'd reached out before and, I tried to talk about things and then that moment of actually closeness, it it brought healing to my life. I know that it brought healing to her life and there's still, there's still road to go in that because there was, there was hurt that was done. But I think, you know, like my family just in general is an amazing example of forgiveness, of wholeness, of, of bringing uh, opponents back in my mom and dad got divorced when I was nine and now like my dad and my stepmom and my mom are like best friends they hang out all the time my really? mom and my, yeah my mom and my stepmom go shopping together no uh, oh bro like they it's like therapeutic for them I'm like I mean that's probably cool but it's probably kind of strange too right you, you know here's the thing it's honestly th- so this is what this is I asked have you my been dad around them? Time. have you been around them oh. and interacted with that dynamic? oh so so much and my, my mom had remarried. My mom's actually, she, she just got divorced again, unfortunately. But like, they would all hang out, like the, the couples. It was like, wow. that, was, that was what was weird. Because I was like, eh. Yeah. But, but here's what I can tell you. My dad, um, it was when I was, I was 17. So this was like probably, um, I don't know, like, uh, I don't know how many years that is. Eight years after they got divorced. So my dad, he never said a bad word about my mom ever. He always made sure to tip the high road. He just, he always, no matter what, led me back to like, Hey, that's your mom. You need to love her, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, but he told me when I was, when I was that age, I said, dad, I'm like, how are you like still such good friends with mom? And now how is she like starting to become friends with like, you know, my stepmom? And he goes, son, he's like, I was driving down the road one day. He goes, and she had called me. He goes, and she made me so mad. He's like, she was just picking at everything. And he goes, and when I hung up the phone, I said, God, I don't know what to do. Because he goes, I'm about at the point where if this doesn't stop, he's like, I'm going to make a decision to just like keep my kids away from her because I can't do this anymore. Uh-huh. And then he just said, he's like, I heard like in my spirit, just like, can you love her like a sister? Yeah. Can you love her like she's your sister because she is, you know, in the kingdom of God. And he goes, yeah, I can make that decision. And he goes that day forward. He's like, it was like everything changed. Mm-hmm. And so I remember, I mean, and then I kind of remember, he was like, it was when you were like 13. So it was like four years after. And I remember things had started to get better after that. Like Christmas time, I didn't have to choose what parents house to go to. She just <laughs> came over, you know, like, um, so there were some good things in it, but man, like, I mean, my dad, he just goes, he's like, if we thought of everything like that, how much better would this entire world be? Can you love them like they're your sister? They're like, they're your brother. Like, yeah, they've hurt you. Yeah, you've gone through this, but it doesn't mean. And yeah, their situation now over the years has become this like, you know, like if my mom's going through something, she calls my stepmom to talk to her. Like, you know, it's become it's become more of that. But at first it was a very just like, hey, man, I'm going to love you like Jesus has asked me to love you. And then we're just going to see what happens. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's one of my, my dad's 
saying is he would always say, he'd say it to me every day, son, you can never go wrong with love. Hmm. And this is one thing he would always say, you know, and like, and I wish I could tell you I've exemplified that perfectly in my life. Um, but I do know that as we're trying to, especially this part, welcoming opponents back in, yeah, you know, that that's the, that's the key, hmm. you know? Yeah. It's good, man. Dude, thanks for chatting. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, man. I enjoyed it. Hope Thank you. you. Uh, hope to have you on again here pretty soon. Sounds good. I'm about to have my fourth cup of coffee too. So. <laughs> All right, man. All right. See ya. Thank you for joining us for After the Message. To learn more about Celebration Church here in Orlando, you can follow us on social media under the handle at CelebrationORL or visit our website at celebrationorl.org.